You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and it is now day 65 of us staying inside to try and stop the spread of coronavirus. And here's your quarantine tip of the day. A lot of people have been spending their time at home doing some sort of spring cleaning. Here's a quick reminder. Eventually, you will wear pants again, so make sure you keep at least a couple pairs. Don't make my mistakes. Anyway, on tonight's episode, we solved the mask problem forever. There's a new universe you can escape to, and Mike Pompeo is sending you his dinner check. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Right now, if you want good news, you've got to search pretty hard for it. It's kind of like one of those Where's Waldo puzzles. By the way, why are we trying to find Waldo? What did he do? Did he murder someone? Because if he did, shouldn't the cops be looking for him? Why are we searching? The point is, you don't need to search for good news because we found it for you in our ongoing segment, Array of Sunshine. All across America, millions of people have been receiving stimulus checks from the government to help them through this tough time. Some people use the money for rent, some people use it for groceries, some people use it to rent groceries. I don't know how that works, but they say it saves money. But one woman decided to use her check to lift other people's spirits. And a New York woman collaborated with the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra to put on a stimulus serenade for frontline hospital workers and COVID patients in New Orleans. Emily Bowman used her stimulus money to pay for the out-of-work musicians while offering a morale boost to healthcare workers. She's hoping to inspire others to conduct similar concerts. Amazing. She used her stimulus check to hire out-of-work musicians and on a New Orleans healthcare workers in one fell swoop. That is such a beautiful gesture. Although it was a little inappropriate when they threw beads at the nurses. Also, I hope the surgeons couldn't hear the music outside. Cause I don't know if you've been to New Orleans, but those bands are really good. Like you can't resist dancing. All right, nurse, I'm gonna make the incision. If everybody can just, I actually tried this in South Africa and it didn't really work. Yeah, I hired a Vuvuzela group to honor the healthcare workers, but all that happened was the patients left the hospital saying they'd take their chances with Corona. And I also love that they honored their healthcare workers with live jazz. Cause what's more New Orleans than live jazz? You know, this would be like if Philadelphians entertained their nurses with a fist fight outside of Wawa. It's so authentic. Of course, that free concert is only one of many stories we've heard about ordinary people trying to honor healthcare workers. In fact, one big story that went viral last month was from the UK, where a hundred-year-old man raised $40 million doing a charity walk in his garden. And now, the UK is saying to him, good on you, chap. A hundred-year-old veteran in Great Britain will receive a knighthood. He'll be knighted for helping frontline workers during the coronavirus pandemic. Captain Tom Moore raised more than $40 million for Britain's National Health Service by just walking around, walking laps around his garden using a walker like you see right here. And that effort captivated the nation. Oh, this is fantastic. This 100-year-old man is gonna become a knight, which is the highest British honor you can receive outside of Star Baker. 
And I'm not surprised this man is concerned with how the queen's gonna handle that sword. I mean, we all saw how she stabbed Meghan Markle in the back. You don't know what she's capable of. I just can't wait for him to meet all the other knights once this pandemic is over. I'm Sir Tom Moore, knighted for raising $40 million for the NHS. And I'm Sir Mix-a-Lot. I was knighted for telling the truth about how much I like big butts. But this goes to show you two things. One, when it comes to helping, your age doesn't matter. Anybody can help. And two, people in every country around the world are really desperate for sports right now. Because clearly people in England were like, look, it's no Olympics, but I've heard there's an old man who's walking around his house every day. It might be quite entertaining. Are you shitting me? I would pay 10 pounds to 100 pounds to watch that. That sounds bloody exciting. And finally, has this pandemic made you wish you could be living in another universe? Well, first of all, congratulations on being basic. And secondly, here you go. It may sound like an episode of The Twilight Zone, but NASA scientists say they have detected a parallel universe that exists next to our own. Using a cosmic ray detection experiment, scientists in Antarctica say they have found evidence of a universe born in the very same Big Bang as ours, but with rules of physics that are completely opposite. In our universe, higher energy particles can only be detected coming down from outer space, but using a giant balloon-like object, the scientists detected similar particles coming up out of the Earth, implying that the particles are actually traveling backward in time. Okay, this is just insane. Scientists say that they've detected a universe, a parallel universe that unlike ours moves backwards in time. And before you get all excited, yes, Trump is still president in this parallel universe. The only difference is that in this universe he can read, which makes him even more dangerous. But wouldn't it be funny if in the other universe everything is like a weird kind of backwards? So Trump hates Ivanka, but he wants to bang Eric? Yeah, we haven't forgot. Actually, the more I think about it, imagine how great it would be to live in a parallel universe where time is going backwards. I mean, who wouldn't love that? Coronavirus goes away. Trump goes away. President Obama comes back. It's amazing. Oh shit, wait, now slavery is back. I didn't think this true. I didn't think this through. All right, that's it for Ray of Sunshine. Let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's begin with an update on the scandal surrounding Mike Pompeo secretary of state and bad guy coach in every sports movie. We learned this week that Pompeo asked President Trump to fire an inspector general who was investigating him for improper arms deals and for using government employees to run personal errands. And now it turns out the IG may have also been looking into lavish dinners that Pompeo was throwing on the taxpayer dime. Now, Pompeo says that these were dinners to discuss foreign policy. The only issue with that story is that the invite list included people like Reba McIntyre, NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt Jr., Fox News hosts, and the CEO of Chick-fil-A. So, I mean, it sounds more like Pompeo was using the State Department like his own personal Make-A-Wish Foundation. I want Reba McIntyre to sing while I eat a chicken sandwich, and, and I want to drive a race car for foreign policy purposes, of course. Like, I'm sorry, but how is the CEO of Chick-fil-A gonna help America's foreign policy. Well, what if we took the peace deal with the Taliban and added pickles? I'm sorry, is, is every idea that you have just to add pickles to things? Well, we could also add waffle fries. Now, of course, one scandal at a time is never enough for this administration. So this morning, Donald J. Trump went on Twitter to stir up some more chaos. President Donald Trump now threatening to withhold federal election money from the state of Nevada. In a tweet, the president said, plans to hold the upcoming primary election by all mail-in ballot here in Nevada 
are illegal and set up the possibility for voter fraud. The president sent a similar tweet about Michigan this morning. Tweeting, quote, Michigan sends absentee ballots to 7.7 million people ahead of primaries in the general election. This was done illegally and without authorization by a rogue secretary of state. I will ask to hold up funding to Michigan if they want to go down this voter fraud path. Whoa. There are two surefire ways to piss Donald Trump off. Showing him that shirtless photo of Obama and giving people access to mail-in votes. I guess in Trump's mind, voting should be like your wife smiling at you. Once a year, in public, and never at home. And by the way, Michigan isn't sending out ballots. They're sending out mail-in ballot applications, just like a bunch of Republican states are also doing. So clearly Trump is just looking for an excuse to avoid losing. As the election gets closer, Trump is gonna get crazier. He's gonna start sounding like one of those second graders playing sports. The results from Wisconsin don't count. I didn't say I was ready. Didn't say I was ready. Okay, I'm ready now, Florida, I win. But political scandals aside, the big news is still the coronavirus pandemic. And today, the country has hit a new milestone with all 50 states at least partially reopened for business. Now, most states are taking things slow, you know, because reopening is is like dating. You have to start slow with coffee and then maybe a meal. And then once you're sure there's no disease, then you go all the way. And while this is exciting, it's also a little troubling because 17 states are still showing a steady increase in new coronavirus cases. Now, hopefully that's not gonna be a bad thing. What is bad is that at least one state where the data was showing improvement may have actually been fudging their numbers. Meanwhile, in Georgia, the State Department of Public Health posted a misleading chart on its webpage. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution says the chart made it look like the number of confirmed cases was dropping steadily, but it did not list the dates in order or keep counties in the same position each day. It's since been removed, and the department told the Journal-Constitution the chart was wrong because of an error in data sorting. Okay, guys, this is messed up. Georgia is accused of basically face-tuning its coronavirus numbers to justify ending their lockdowns earlier. Now, in Georgia's defense, it may not be their fault that they had the dates out of order. It's hard to keep track in quarantine. Like, I thought yesterday was Friday and tomorrow was meatball, (laughs) which of course is ridiculous. Meatball isn't for two more days. But take it from me, Georgia. Cheating only hurts you in the long run. Yeah, when I was in school, I forged straight A's on my biology report card instead of studying. And to this day, I still don't know where my labia is. But if there's any other governors who are inspired by Georgia, well, the team at Microsoft might have the answer for you. Are you a state governor tired of manipulating your corona cases? Introducing Microsoft Excel, Coronavirus Edition. No matter what raw data you enter, it will show a flattening curve that will justify your decision to reopen Buffalo Wild Wings. 500 new cases, flattening curve. 10,000 new cases, flattening curve. You're in the hospital right now? Not according to this chart. So upgrade to our Corona Edition now. Data doesn't lie, but now you can. Also available for schools in the NFL. All right, I gotta go feed my pet roommate, but after the break, I'll tell you why masks don't just block the virus, they also block your freedom. We'll be right back. I'm coming, Jeff, shut up! Let's talk about face masks. They're keeping us healthy and letting us pretend we're all the shredder. I'll get you, Ninja Turtles. 
Most people have gotten the message that even simple masks can slow the spread of coronavirus. In fact, in the US, a nice 69% of Americans are saying they now wear masks when they leave the house. But now, there's some new research that confirms just how effective a mask can actually be. And one of the best ways to protect yourself and others from getting COVID-19 is to wear a mask. A new study out of Hong Kong shows coronavirus transmission rates drop by 75% when surgical masks are used. Researchers used hamsters. Masks draped over the cages of infected hamsters dropped infection to 17%. Hamsters who still got infected despite having a mask barrier had less of the virus in their bodies compared to hamsters without masks. Yeah. According to this eye-opening and frankly adorable study, masks drop transmission rates of the coronavirus by 75%. And while this is a great study for public health, I think it's a huge missed opportunity for those scientists. I mean, why would you drape masks over the cage when you could have put tiny masks on the hamsters? I mean, that is Instagram gold. You know, for a bunch of virologists, you guys don't know shit about going viral. <laughs> Am I right? No one's here. So clearly wearing masks is important, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. I mean, for one thing, unless you plan on butt chugging all your meals, it really makes it impossible to eat or drink until now. As health officials are asking the public to wear face masks, a group of friends in Texas just developed a mask that makes it easy to drink through. Cordell had an epiphany when she had to take off her mask to take a sip of water. That's when she came up with the idea for Shut Your Mouth. The masks include a front zipper that allows people to more easily get a drink while they're out in public. The latest look in protective face masks have people saying, I'll drink to that. That's because it comes with a hole for a straw. An Israeli man created a protective face cover that allows you to eat food without removing your mask. You just squeeze a lever, which opens a slot for your mouth, so you can eat without removing the mask. What a great invention. Now we can all have lunch and nightmares. I mean, nothing gets my appetite going, like seeing my friends as ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> And I'm not gonna lie, I don't know why we needed that one with the zipper. Like, that already exists. I've got like three of those masks in my closet right now. Yeah, it's dusk masks. You know when you're like doing the garden and then you wanna say something? Yeah, I'll, I'll be done in 10 minutes. Now, even though most Americans are wearing masks, many still refuse. Yeah, and confrontations between maskers and anti-maskers have been going viral. And the latest one may be the best yet. You see, a Las Vegas Patriot tried to shame a Costco employee who told him that he needs to wear a mask in the store, and things did not exactly go the way he expected. A Costco employee in Las Vegas is being praised for standing his ground and denying a customer who refused to put on a mask. Hi, everyone. I work for Costco, and I'm asking this member to put on a mask because that is our company policy. So either wear the mask... And or... I'm not doing it because I woke up in a free country. Have a great day. So you're gonna take this car from me. Sir, have a great Pull day. Pull stuff. You are no longer welcome here in our warehouse. You need to leave. Thank you very here, much. you put it on. I'll give you my card. He's gonna take the card away because he's a little bitch. There he is, walking away with all my stuff. There he goes. Because I'm not a sheep. Woo! That Costco employee was not messing around. He was straight up like, sir, if you don't put on a mask, I'm gonna have to hand you a free sample of your own ass. And 
I truly don't understand this. This man was just being asked to wear a mask while he's in the store. That's not asking a lot. I mean, do you know what I would do for a bulk quantity of toilet paper right now? <sighs> do you know who I killed? I mean, who I would kill? And you know, these videos really give you a sense of how differently black and white people view struggle. When black people are turning on their cameras when they think they're about to get shot. White people are turning on their cameras to show the oppression of Costco store policies. They wouldn't let me take two. Like, even if you don't care about getting corona, this is not about you, right? Because your decision might affect other people. It's the same way you could say, I'm not a sheep, I'm free. I don't want a car with brakes. Yeah, but the rest of us don't want your free ass flying through our windshields. Now look, I do think there should be another solution to our mask debate other than viral shaming. Like, isn't there something else we can do instead of covering our faces? Well, luckily, Leo Deblin has the answer we need. Do you wanna go outside? but hate wearing a face mask, they're hard to put on. They get all up in your eyes and your breath smells like ass. Well, now you ain't got to worry about covering your face cause Leo is on the case. Introducing the Leo Deblin Germ Blaster. Strap these suckers to your head and everybody's getting their germs blown back in their face. This works for all airborne illnesses, such as corona and even gonorrhea. <laughs> Go back to where you came from, Sneeze. Now you might say, but Leo, I already have the corona. How do I stop my germs from hitting other people? Well, guess what? I got a solution for that too. Introducing the Leo Devlin Germ Sucker. Strap this baby to your gut and all your germs get sucked away. I don't need to wear a face mask to enjoy a quiet walk outside. And if you're asking, is this FDA approved? Let me put it this way. The FDA is too busy to not approve it. The Leo Deblin Germ Blaster Sucker. It ain't but $85. You can get that from your mama. Leo Deblin Germ Blaster Sucker. And it's it's at 120 by the fairgrounds next to Foot Locker. Wow, Leo, you did it again. When we come back, I'll be talking to Jose Antonio Vargas about how coronavirus is affecting immigrants in America. And NBA superstar Chris Paul is also joining us on the show. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Jose Antonio Vargas. He's a journalist and a filmmaker who is a leading voice for the human rights of immigrants. And not only that, he's an undocumented immigrant himself. So we talked about Corona's disproportionate impact on undocumented immigrants and why you should care. Jose, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you for having me. Um, Let's talk about the immigrant experience during this period, especially the undocumented immigrant experience. Coronavirus has, has affected everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone. But as an undocumented immigrant in America right now, there's a unique experience that is amplified by, amplified by coronavirus. Could you, could you tell us a little bit about what that is? Because you've been speaking so much on it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, our, you know, our job at Define American is how do we humanize this issue so people can understand it, right? Wherever they are, whatever their experiences are. So to me, what's happening is it's exposing just how hypocritical we are as a society, right? Mm -hmm. So we rely on immigrant workers as quote unquote essential workers, 
yet we don't really want to treat them as essential people. We want to just want to treat them as workers. Like, you know, I'm lucky. I live in California. I'm in Berkeley, where I, where I am right now. And in California, Governor Newsom is the only governor so far that has said that we're going to provide relief to undocumented workers who are actually part of our economy and part of our communities. It's, that's not something that Governor Cuomo has done yet. That's not something that Texas, what, 1.7 million undocumented workers in the state of Texas? I mean, what would the construction industry, the agricultural industry, like, how would they survive without us? And yet, like, the response hasn't been, you know, hasn't not only been fair, but been humane in this regard. So I remember I was reading this essay, and I think it was the Wall Street Journal, and um, by Susan Orlean, who I love. And the essay was, she said, never taking travel for granted again. <laughs> and then I remember thinking, wait, as an undocumented person, we can't travel, right? There's only actually 12 states that allow undocumented people like me to drive, right? Mm -hmm. California is one of them. Like New York finally um, is making it happen. But the reality is undocumented immigrants are actually social distancing for us is not uh, something that the pandemic brought. It's actually a way of life. It's our reality. It's so, interesting because for, for, for many, um, for many on, on the right, coronavirus and, and the relief efforts actually created a bit of a storm in and around undocumented immigrants, you know, because they, they said, well, well, this is another example of how undocumented immigrants want to leech off the system. You know, you would see people online saying, why do they want our taxpayer money? Why should we pay for illegal immigrants who are in this country? How do you respond to somebody like that? Because, I mean, you see it as a culture war online and, and it, it, you know, it's, it's, it gets stoked every single day from the top. But, but the question is, how do you even respond to somebody like that? The fact that undocumented workers contribute billions of dollars in taxes and social security... If people knew that, it doesn't matter if you're left, right, center, if they knew the facts, then they wouldn't say that, right? I mean, look around, who's working, right? So again, to me, what's been dangerous and hurtful is this thinking that immigrants are here just as labor. We're just here to work. There's a, there was a great quote that I think someone from the, from the EU said that, oh, we asked for workers and they gave us people, right? Because we are people. And But the reality is the way this administration, this very anti-immigrant administration, has been enacting policies, not only about undocumented immigrants, by the way. I mean, the reality is the assault is beyond the undocumented population, right? They're going after people seeking asylum. They're banning foreign students. They're ending work permits for talented international students. They're banning new green cards for 60 days. And of course, DACA, which I'm sure you're, you're, right, you're right. aware about, right? right like right. right now, so we have what? 200,000 DACA recipients who are literally fighting this pandemic, hospital workers, food workers, farmers, teachers, and yet every, any day now, the Supreme Court can make a decision that says that they, that they can no longer be here. Yeah, and that I like, one of the more confusing things for me that, that, that struck me when I came to America was a little bit of the hypocrisy in the story because I was shocked when I found out that you could be an undocumented worker in America but pay taxes. In fact, the IRS is more than happy to collect the tax from you, and so you're contributing to society. More than happy. But then at the same time, people make it seem like you're not a part of that society. And then again, that story came to the fore in coronavirus. You know, you started seeing stories of how the, the meat processing plants, the, the, the farms, they yes. said, hey, uh, we, we would appreciate it right now if you didn't raid us or anything because our workers are undocumented. The people who are delivering food, the people who are driving people around in Ubers, the people who are just, you know, getting you around, getting your food to you, looking after you in hospitals, cleaning your house, whatever it is, 
these people are undocumented and yet they seem to be very essential to the society. Do you, do you think that there's a, there's a breakdown in how people perceive what an undocumented worker is? Absolutely. I mean, that's why, you know, when I, when I came out as undocumented almost nine years ago now, my, my purpose is how do we change the narrative of this issue? How do we complicate it? How do we get it out of this Mexico border wall that it's stuck in that helped elect Donald Trump? When in reality, undocumented people live with people who are U.S. citizens by birth, right. are green card. It's called a mixed status family. You know, like right now, you know, it's, it, it's graduation season, right? So I don't know where I would be if it weren't for my teachers at Crittenden Middle School and at Mountain View High School, right? Like before there was a DREAM Act, before anybody knew what this was, my mm-hmm. teachers were the ones who like made sure that I was more than pieces of papers, right? And so right now, actually, at, at Define American, we're about to host an immigrant, like a graduation for, for immigrant students, uh, from students from immigrant backgrounds, right? Because right now in this country, there's about 4 million K to, uh, K to 12th grade students who are immigrants or live with somebody who's undocumented. And the reality is, this is a really difficult time. So how do we celebrate them? So we're hosting this big immigrant on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Check it out. Go to defineamerican.com. And if you want some inspiration, go on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and just type immigrant. And you see stories of like first, second, third generation immigrant students who are here and who are honoring their parents for the sacrifices that they've made just so they can be here. Jose, thank you so much for taking the time. And... um... We uh, will tell people to try and check out the, you said it's Immigrad. Immigrad, it's our virtual graduation at 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. There's a special guest. You'll love her, she's great. So please check it out on Sunday. Thank you so much for being with us, Jose. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jose. When we come back, Chris Paul joins us to talk about the other basketball documentary that's coming out now. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I got the chance to talk to basketball superstar Chris Paul. He's the executive producer of Blackballed, a new documentary out on Quibi about the Donald Sterling scandal. We talked about that and a little bit more. Chris Paul, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, Before we get into, like, your documentary and everything you're doing in a world without sports, uh, I wanted to know... What, what you are doing now. Like, where is Chris Paul? Because I've, I've been entertained by where every single NBA player is and what they're doing in their lives. Like, Steph Curry was saying he's had to, like, build his own basketball hoops. Um, you know, I know Jimmy Butler, is, he's been training hard, like, like the playoffs of tomorrow. What, what are you doing in your life? Are you playing golf? Are you, are you out? Can you even play golf? Man, listen, I am I'm training. I'm a substitute teacher at times. Uh, <laughs> A little bit of everything. And because uh, I'm I'm the president of the union, I'm actually trying to figure out how we can get back to play. So right. it's a whole lot of... I'm, I take Spanish twice a week. You know what I mean? I'm staying busy. Yeah. A lot of people may not know that about you, that you're the president of the Players Association. You have been for a long time. I mean, that that must come with it a lot of pressure during this period because... You've got so many people asking when the NBA is coming back. How does it come back safely? What's going to happen for the fans? We want to watch the games. We want to be at the games, but everyone knows how it's going to happen. Have you heard anything about the movement? Because one of the one of the best rumors I heard was that the NBA is going to be played on like a like an island, like blood sport, and then it's, you guys are just going to play against each other, and only the winning team comes home. Is that true? Well, that's that's far from the truth. But uh, <laughs> you know, is is conversations happening every day? Every day, just trying to figure out what's the safest way 
Uh, and like we want to play. I think everybody wants us to play. And I, I keep saying this, like, as a fan of the game, like, I need something to watch on TV. You know what I mean? I don't right. watch, possibly watch with my kids. It's, it's time to start watching some sports. So we're working on it. Yeah, man. Uh, it feels like right now, you know, the, the, um, the sports is on the back burner. But because of that, we've been introduced to another side of sports that we maybe haven't appreciated as much. And that has been the story behind the sports. Everyone who's anyone is, is just obsessed with this new Michael Jordan documentary. You know, everyone's watching The Last Dance. I'm sure you have been as well. Um, what, like, ha- tell me from your side as a player, what it's been like watching a documentary about the behind the scenes of a sport that you're a professional in. And it's been so dope, Trevor. It's been so dope because I was a diehard Michael Jordan fan growing up, right? And so uh, I'm sponsored by Jordan Brand. I actually know MJ personally. And now that, you know, those years shaped me into wanting to be an NBA player. You know, everybody like Mike. And so now that I'm in the NBA and I get a chance to see what he was like sort of on the plane or like in the locker room, it's all so crazy. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful that he even allowed this footage to get out, right? Because he didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So You're stepping into the space of, of being an executive producer. I mean, you've been in that game for a while now, but, but you're also producing content that, that, you know, takes us behind the curtain. We get to see behind the sport. We get to see behind the stories that we saw, you know, maybe just as a headline. And, and I know you've got a new documentary coming out which I think is gonna, you know, it's gonna address one of the biggest stories in sports that we, we saw, it was a flash in the pan and then it like sort of disappeared even though there were huge ramifications and that was of Donald Sterling and the Clippers. Uh, it's called Blackballed. Tell us a little bit about this documentary. Yeah, man, Blackballed um, is something that I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to be a part of because sometimes when things happen, like right in that moment, you don't really appreciate it or take it all in of the ramifications and what's going on. So the fact that we had an opportunity to sit back and look at it and see the landscape that has, you know, transformed a lot of things, you know, as far as athletes speaking out on different issues. Right. um, And seeing how at that time we were put in a tough situation, you know, because you got all these different people, political leaders, family members, they like, you need to do this. You shouldn't play. You can't play. What you going to do? Then we also trying to beat Golden State, who was like one of our biggest rivals at the time. You know, I'm over here getting phone calls from Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. Wow. And I'm wow. trying to figure out how I'm going to slow down Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's really dope and I'm excited for people to see it. What, what do you hope people will learn from the documentary? Because for most people, the story was, it was there was a lot of tabloid. You know, it was Donald Sterling who owns the Clippers. He gets caught on a call saying racist things about Magic Johnson. He's talking to his girlfriend and it, it becomes this, this whirlwind of tabloid, but, but there were human beings involved. And that's what I like about this documentary is you're telling the story of the human beings, the players, the people attached to the team, the stories that followed um, uh, the games. Like, what do you hope people learn from this documentary that they don't already know? Man, Trevor, I think it goes right along the lines of what you just said as far as how, you know, a great documentary isn't necessarily about the game. It's about the drama behind it and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope everyone gets from this how it's not about Donald Sterling. It's not about the series, the basketball game, but everything that went into it and all the different thoughts and perspectives that we were going through and the conversations we were having as a team of what should we do? How should we do it? And how Doc Rivers, our coach, actually 
talked and communicated with us. You know, because in these situations, a coach could just say, this is how we're going to do it. Y'all listen. Y'all do this. But we talked about it and we said we're going to have one voice. And Doc was the perfect voice at the situa- mm-hmm. for the situation. Let me, let me ask you this question before I let you go. The, I know that you're working on another, another, another show um, about the NBA and coronavirus. And I found that really interesting because we all know where we were the day the NBA shut down because I feel like that was the tipping point of everything shutting down. You know, a few people here and they were like, yeah, we might cancel this, we might postpone that. But then when the NBA said, it's, it's done, it felt like everything was done. And you're making a story about that. So tell me, tell me rather about that. Like, why do you think that day was so important and, and how did the ripple effects hit everyone in the NBA? Yeah, so as you said earlier, being in that storytelling business, right, is being able to tell stories. And fortunately, I've been a, a part of a lot of them, <laughs> you know. And so um, with Brian Grazer and Antoine Fuqua, we decided we want to tell this story. And so it's basically, that's the name of the day that sports stopped. And like you said, everyone has a story. And I, I get an opportunity to tell about what led up to that day and what it was like in the locker room. And then, you know, we have other athletes that's going to tell their stories of where they were and what it's been like, you know, because right. it, it literally everything stopped. Everything stopped and everything started shutting down. And I, I think it's going to be really dope to put all that together because it's also not just from a athlete's perspective. We're telling the fans' perspective, too. Right. Right? Because, you know, of course, everybody wants to know, you know, what we were doing and how we reacted. But what about the fans or that kid who was about to go see his favorite player for the first time and now that's gone? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge story, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. You know, I'm, I'm excited for Chris Paul, the executive producer. Chris Paul, the storyteller. Chris Paul, the substitute teacher. Yeah, Chris, Paul, right. Chris Paul, the Spanish speaker. Uh, Chris Paul, the golf player. And uh, Chris Paul... Uh, NBA superstar. Hopefully, we'll be seeing you on the court sooner than later. Thank you for the time, my dude. Man, I appreciate you, Trevor. And we're gonna get you some hooping lessons. Well, let's do that, man. I'll, I'll, I'll teach you soccer, and then you do the hoops on my side. That's a deal. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, the COVID pandemic has taken a serious toll on many people's mental health. And here in the United States, the Disaster Distress Helpline is trying to address this crisis. They've got counselors who are trained to meet the mental health needs of this unique situation. And if you're able to, and you'd like to help, then please donate whatever you can. No amount is too small. And if you'd like to support New Yorkers in crisis, then you can donate to NYC Well, which is also providing free, confidential mental health support. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wash your hands, and remember, headaches are a symptom of coronavirus, but they're also a symptom of watching Netflix for 20 hours straight. So, you're probably fine. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 